0: I want to talk to you about the ways of God, the ways of God. Please don't tune me out. Hear me out. Because I believe there's some things in here. It helped me a lot. And I believe it can help you as well. I want to talk to you about the ways of God and how important it is for us to understand how God works. In religion... The culture of religion, it's very easy to be satisfied with believing in God but not knowing how God works. That is the spirit of religious tradition. And you know, we kind of, when we talk to some people that are not necessarily in truth, they haven't received the revelation yet, we kind of go, you can't just believe in God, you've got to be born again. You can't just only believe in God. There's a little bit more. And that's true. But we can't stop at the born again experience just believing that that saved us. We become just as guilty as the one who hasn't seen this truth. We become just as guilty when we get the truth, but then stop, slow down, and are happy with just believing we become just as guilty because the, the Bible deals with us about walking in the light while you have the light. God begins to give you light, which is revelation. And as you walk in that revelation, you're in the will of God. But as soon as you stop and say, I don't need that anymore. I've gone far enough. I'm content. You end up in darkness because the light doesn't. The, everyone's light is different. Brother Vernell's light is different than my light. Jacob's light, meaning it's the same light from God, but the speed at which it operates is up to you and God. That's between God and you, and that's how he operates for you. But we cannot receive revelation and then say, we're good, we've made it, praise God, I'm an apostolic. Because then the light keeps moving, and now you're in the darkness. Is this okay? Okay. So God has a way. The Bible says in Isaiah, he said, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. God's way is higher. It's. It's a totally different dimension than the ways of man, the the carnal mind. That's why he says that the carnal mind is enmity with God, meaning it's literally at war with God. Your mind, your intellect, what you think is at war with God, it's got to be submitted to God. We got to be careful. We're very intellectual and we come in the kingdom and we don't learn how to shut that brain off or submit that thing to Jesus. Because what will begin to happen is we'll be making decisions based off of what we want because we're smart, because we can figure things out. And God says, no, 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 that's not how my kingdom works. That's not my ways. Because if that was his ways, then he'd be an unjust judge. I'll tell you why he'd be unjust, because what he'd be doing, he would be putting people in an improper balance. There'd be an unjust balance because some people, let's be real, they're smarter than others. I know people smarter than me. I know people dumber than me. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) God would not be just if He used your intellect as a measurement to hear and walk with Him. I said, God, thank you, Yolanda. Someone's awake in the house. Praise the Lord. God would not be just. I feel the Holy Ghost. If your mind, your intellect, was the way that He determined how you walk with Him. It wouldn't be fair just because of the IQ levels that some have versus others. It wouldn't be fair because of where some people are brought up versus others. But that's not how God operates. That's why God says that he is expecting you to submit your will to him. And that every single person, the thing that will get you to where you need to go is hunger, desire and faith, which we all have. We all have desire and we all have hunger. It just depends where you're putting it. So God is just because He uses your hunger to determine where you're going to go. Does this make sense? So that's not His ways. We can't just sit there and calculate and figure Him out. We've got to submit this mind. We've got to submit this flesh and submit our emotions to God. And when we submit it, we'll begin to hear His voice. And He will direct and lead us through peace, through impressions, through his still small voice. That's got to be submitted to God. The amazing thing is when somebody does have an extreme IQ or high intellect, God can use that very powerfully. You look at Moses and you look at Paul. They had very, they, they were very intelligent. Moses was brought up in the Pharaoh's house. Paul was brought up in with the, the, the chiefest of Pharisees. And he sat at one of the greatest teacher's feet. So, They were intelligent, but they had to submit that to God. And if they did not submit that to God, they would not have been used to the level they were used. The ways of God. You can go to the next slide. I don't know if you can read it. It's probably too small for some of you. I apologize. Psalms 143 verse 8 says this. Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning. Cause me to hear your love in the morning. For in thee do I trust. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk. For I lift up my soul unto thee. David said, cause me to hear your love when I wake up. Cause me to hear your voice. Cause me to hear and feel and sense your presence. And also, cause me to know the way in which I'm supposed to walk you look it up in the scriptures, you will find there are so many references to the way, his ways, walk in his ways. It's all throughout the scripture. And I pulled a few out just to show you. It says in Psalms chapter 119, one and three it says, blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord to walk in the law of the Lord. They also do no iniquity. Going back to submitting your intellect, submitting your will. They don't do their will. Iniquity is your desire and your will. They submit that to God and walk in his ways. So what he's saying is you can't even walk in the ways of God while you're walking in your own ways. You've got to submit your iniquity, submit your will, your desires, and then you'll find his path. That's why the Bible says there is a way. There is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof is death. There is a way. There's a way we're supposed to walk with God and there's a way we can choose to walk in our humanity and in our flesh. Oh, well, Brother Mike, I don't, I don't party like I used to. Brother Mike, I don't, you know, I don't go look at that stuff I used to look at. I don't talk to the people I used to. It doesn't matter because even in the church, we can start to go in the ways of carnality even as a blood bought, Holy Ghost filled individual. Because there is a way that seems right unto a man. It doesn't say an evil man, it says a man. There is a way that seems right to me, and I want to go my way. God says, You can go your way, but you're not going to be on my way, on my highway. Because you can't have both. They're going two opposite directions. I'm going to tell you right now, it's not like Route 50 where you got that service road and you got 50. Well, I'm just going to get on this little service road, go get get some McDonald's, do my thing for a little bit. But me and Jesus are still going somewhere. Uh -uh. Uh-uh. You're going 50 east when Jesus is going 50 west. Opposite directions. That's why the carnal mind cannot please God. Romans 8. Psalms 128.1 says, Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord. That's in all of Him. That's submitted to Him. That walketh in His ways. Blessed is the man that fears Him and walks in His ways. My hope and prayer tonight is that you would seek His way after this service. That you would seek after Him in His face and listen and find the way that He goes so you can go with Him. Mm. You can go to the next slide, Brother John. I want to talk to you about this is what I'm going to be talking about. You can go to the next slide. I want to talk to you about the ways of God and what God's attracted to. What is God attracted to? What is it that draws me to God in the operation of God? More than anything, this is what draws you to God. The Scripture says in Psalms 24, 3 through 4, it says, Who may ascend unto the hill of the Lord? or who may stand in his holy place. He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who's not lifted up his soul unto an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. He said if you want to ascend into the hill of the Lord, you want to go His way, you've got to have clean hands and a pure heart. got to have a right spirit, a right motive. God is attracted to that. It, God longs for somebody that is pure going back to god being just every single person has the ability to either be pure or impure there's no there's no there's no hey he was just given a little more purity at birth and she just wasn't no it's a it's a state it's a spiritual state And every single one of us can work at being pure before God, having clean hands and a pure heart, having a right motive, a right spirit. That's another reason that God is just. He's just because of your hunger, and He's just whether or not you have a right or bad spirit. Because guess what? Oh, Jesus. When you get baptized, as soon as you come up out of that water... You are made clean. You are made right with God. Every single one of us. So if you're sitting on the seat with a bad spirit, it's because you let it happen. If you are sitting on a seat, you've been born again by water and spirit. You've got a bad, bitter, angry spirit. It's because you let it happen. I'm not trying. I'm just being real because the thing is, you got to be honest with yourself. You can't say, well, I come to church, I worship, I shout, I run. Who cares? How's your spirit? Are you clean? Are you pure before God? Because that's how you're going to ascend into the hill. You want to know why sometimes in these services we can't ascend to the hill? Because we came in here with unrepentant hands. We come in here with impure hearts as a body. As individuals collectively as a body, that's why we gotta find the altar as soon as we get in here because there's not one of us that just floats on the purity cloud. Every single person has to go and wash every single day. The priest had to go to the, to the altar and they had to sacrifice the lamb. Then they said, Oh, now I gotta go to the brazen laver and they had to wash and then they could go in the holy place. But we want to start in the holiest of holies and wonder why God's not showing up. Because you skip the altar and you skip the brazen laver. You can't skip the first two things at the tabernacle and think you're going to show up in the glory in the holiest of holies. Even in God's tabernacle plan, there had to be a pure heart and there had to be clean hands. (laughs) Because guess what? When he when he when he killed that lamb, guess what was all over his hands? Guess what he had to clean? He had to clean that stuff off. He had to clean before he could go in to the place of the Lord. If we're not cleansing, if we're not cleaning, if we're not focusing on a pure heart before God, when we get here or right before we get here, right away, it's not, oh man, you know what? Jesus just didn't really show up today. I guess He's he's busy in Africa or Europe. You know, I guess... No, he's omnipresent. He, everything's inside of him and he's inside of everything. No, he's here, but he manifests himself where people are pouring out mercy and they're washing and cleansing. Clean hands and a pure heart. <laughs> Brother Mike, I just, I don't know. God just doesn't talk to me. Brother Mike, like I pray for hours upon hours and, Nothing's coming. I'm just not hearing anything. Maybe, just, maybe God's just not for me. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm too messed up. Maybe I've made too many mistakes. Matthew 5, 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. That's not talking about heaven. That's talking about right now. That's talking about revelation. That's talking about when you hear from God and you see God. Oh, Jesus, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. They will hear God. They will receive revelation. Sometimes we we are getting so frustrated about how we want more of God and we want more of this. And God's saying, listen, I'm right here. I I got everything you need. You need to get less of you. You need to get you out of the way and you need to purify yourself and get a pure heart. And I'll show up in a second. Guys, it's the word of God. It's truth. God is no respecter of persons and He is a just God. Everything He does is in His equity. It's it's with justice. And His justice is anyone can be pure and anyone can be impure. Your choice. That means anyone can see God and you can choose not to see God. What is purity? What, I'm not, I think sometimes when we hear this, especially in our culture with pornography being such an issue, we think it's all about that. It's not. It's about your motive. What's your motive? What motivates you? Is your motive pure? Do you do things so that you can get recognition? Do you do things so that people will pat you on the back? Do you do... Purity is about motivation. What motivates you. And I can guarantee you right now, you're going to get a bad spirit at some point. (laughs) Many points. But the problem is not getting a bad spirit. The problem is keeping a bad spirit. Keeping an impure spirit. We can choose to be pure or we can choose to let the stuff fester in our spirits to the point where it starts to bleed out. The pure in heart shall see God. If you're struggling with revelation, if you're struggling with hearing his voice, then you need to go and check. Do inventory of your spirit and say, "Am I offended? Am I angry? Am I doing things for my own benefit?" We've got to be pure and it's the priest had listen, if the priest had a process without the Holy Ghost, and God set this up as symbolism of what we're supposed to be part of, there's a a process that we need to go through daily. Getting clean. Amen. The Lord is drawn to purity. He's drawn to purity. Next slide. The Lord is drawn to purity, but I want to talk to you about We've established that we've got to be pure before the Lord and we've got to submit our hearts to Him and surrender our carnal mind and intellectual ways. I want to talk to you about something. In the book of Ecclesiastes, it says that two is better than one and a threefold cord is not easily broken. The number three in the Hebrew means completeness. There's something very significant about the number three. No, there's not three gods, there's not a trinity, but there are three modes of operation, but He's still one. His name is Jesus. But He revealed His plan and purpose through those three different modes of operation of Himself doing that. Releasing Himself into the earth through Father, and through Son, and through the Holy Ghost. Amen. Doesn't mean that there's a trinity. No, He's one. The number three is very important and critical in Scripture. But when it comes to God... One stands above everything. One means I'm undeniably one. There's nothing else beside me, none before me. Amen. Glad we established that. A disciple's threefold cord. I want to talk to you about this because we've talked about purity. We've talked about getting our mind out of the way. Now let's talk about something that's not so easy to hear, but it's truth. The Scripture says in Matthew 16:24 says this, Then Jesus said to His disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. I feel like the Lord has shown me that this is not just three things grouped together as one thing you do in total, but it's three levels. He first tells you to deny yourself. What does denial mean? That means your altar. That means laying yourself on the altar. That is Romans chapter 12. I beseech you now, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. You got to lay yourself on the altar. We've been talking about that. That is denial. I'm denying my will. I'm denying my desires. I'm denying what what I want to be doing. But then he goes a step farther and I can prove this versus Old Testament versus New Testament in a second. He says, take up your cross. When he says, take up your cross, he says, what is he talking about? He's talking about afflictions. He's talking about trials. He's talking about tests, tribulations, offenses, and hurts produced by people. You can't Put yourself on a cross. you got to have other people put you on a cross. A cross means what's been done to you. You've been afflicted by people. You've been afflicted by circumstances. That's your cross. Holy Ghost. So what he's telling us is that you've got to deny yourself. You've got to take up your cross. And you got to follow me. Now, watch this. In the Old Testament, you don't see anything about crosses, really. Nothing. It was all about, because in the Old Testament, the only thing you could really get by with was an altar. But you see, the altar was, was only the start of the covenant. It was only half of the covenant. But he said, if you want to go to the next dimension, there's going to be a cross. And that's when the new covenant comes in. That's, we're living by the Spirit. We, get, we are kind of okay with altars as people of God. We'll fast. We'll pray. We'll even deny ourselves to a degree. Oh boy, but you bring up a cross, somebody afflicting you, what are they doing? To they, oh, if they do that, I know it's true. Somebody don't like it, but it's true. We don't like, I don't like a cross, but I know what it does. It brings life. I don't necessarily like to be afflicted, but I do understand that there's a principle about being afflicted. The scripture says in Matthew chapter 7. I believe it's verse 14, I think. It says, Enter ye at the straight gate, for broad is the way, and, or uh, it says, uh, broad is the way it leads to destruction, but it says, straight is the gate, narrow is the path that lead to life. <laughs> I can't remember which word it is here. Um, I think it's narrow. Thank you. Straight, is talking about something small, something narrow. So why would he say, because straight is the gate, and narrow... Why would he say narrow is the gate and narrow is the way? That's not necessary. Because he didn't say that. It was a fairly poor translation. The word narrow in the Greek literally means crushed as grapes. (laughs) Afflicted. So let's read that again. I know some of you about to plug your ears because you don't want to hear it. It's still in the book. <laughs> Straight is the gate or narrow is the gate and crushed as grapes is the way. You want to know God's ways? It's going to be crushing. You want to know God's ways? You're going to be broken. You want to know God's ways? It's going to hurt. But he says, even though you're crushed... It leads to life. And you see the principle in Jesus Christ. He was bruised for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. But he rose again and he brought life. Oh, I want to be like Jesus, brother Mike. I want to walk like Jesus. Take up your cross of affliction, tribulation and tests to be like Jesus. Because it leads to life. Whose life? Your life and many other lives. You see, this is the thing. The same people that afflicted Jesus, the same people who crushed him were the same people he saved. The same people that put the thorns in his head and put the... I'm telling you, they're the same people. In fact, the two were mocking him. They, the Bible says both thieves were mocking But one saw his response on the place of affliction, the cross. He said, "Can I be with you in paradise?" Something about you. I believe you're a man of God. He said, "Yes, today you'll be with me." How do you go from mocking to believing? Your response on the place of affliction. How is your neighbor's going to go from mocking to believing? How is your family going to go from mocking to believing? How is your fellow classmates? How are your fellow co-workers when they see you in affliction and tribulation and they see your responses of God? That is part of the way, one of God's ways. That is God's way. It's a crushing, it's a brokenness that leads to life. hmm Lastly, He says, follow Me. This is also, I believe, the third and final level that Jesus is talking about in the Scripture. Meaning to follow Him, He was saying, complete submission and obedience to His will. Where I follow His voice at His speed and in His timing. Some of you didn't catch that. His voice and His speed, and His timing. We're, we're willing to listen to His voice, but on our time. <laughs> oh God, I'm ready to be used, but use me now. And God goes, well, I've got some grapes in your life I've got to crush. I'm not really interested in that, God. I'm just ready to be used. I'm going to tell you where most Christians, where most Christians dwell is at denial. Most Christians just stay at the altar and that's it. That's why they always have to run to the altar after the preacher preaches because that's the only thing they know is the altar. Oh, Jesus. The only thing in their life is the altar. That's all they've ever known. That's all they've known to this point. Because once a cross starts trying to be put up in their life, they're running, they're accusing, they're bitter, they're angry, and then they wonder why they have to come to the altar every service. Because they keep neglecting their cross. Oh, that's a revelation. Somebody's got to I'm telling you, the spirit of revelation is in this place right now. I'm telling you, by the authority of the Word of God, and the, the spirit of revelation is here. If you're frustrated with always feeling like, man, everybody's always watching, I'm always running to the altar, start enduring your cross outside of the church building. Start enduring your cross in your normal life. Because it's about the kingdom. It's not about church services. It's about the kingdom. The kingdom has got to expand. It's time for this church and many of you, some of you, to start going into other cities. <laughs> it's time for us to start going to other neighborhoods. It's time for us to start going out to where God has called us to be. And some of that might, in, it might bring a cross. But it will bring life. Jesus said, you can either love your life and lose it or you can lose your life and gain it. That is the principle of the cross. You've got to lose you've got to lose your reputation. You've got to submit your reputation, your will, your desires and let whatever afflictions God has prepared for you to refine you like gold and silver. Tried by fire. But when you go through it, you come out not even smelling like smoke. And they're like, my God, there's something different about you. You have a walk with. I'm going to tell you why you got to walk with God, because you have imitated Jesus. You got on a cross like he was on a cross. I'm not talking about a literal cross. I'm talking about when people backstab you. I'm talking about when people hurt you. I'm talking about when people say things about you. I'm talking about when people steal your money. I'm talking about when people cheat you. I'm talking about when people lie to you. That's your cross. But what are you doing trying to get even? Are you hanging up there and staying there a little while so that maybe their heart will change in turn? I feel God in this place releasing serious revelation because God wants you to see. doesn't matter if you've been here 25, 30, 35, 40, 50 years. We can't neglect the process, the threefold cord of discipleship. I've got to deny myself and find an altar. I've got to get on a cross and I've got to follow Him, His voice, His peace, at His speed and complete submission. And not until I do that Will I be able to experience the abundant life that he's offering? Abundant life. You want to know where abundant life comes from? It comes from right there. But most Christians never experience abundant life because they only stay in the denial stage. They never go to a cross. And if they get to a cross, rarely do they even get to follow me. Because you got most people here. You got some people here. You got hardly nobody over here. Because that takes full, complete submission to the voice of God. God, I'm a vessel. What do you want to do today? Oh, I want to go here. God says, no, go here. Okay, I'll go here. God, I want to do this. He says, no, I want you to do this. Okay, that is following him. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Here's the revelation. You can't truly learn of God until you take his yoke. You can't even know the voice of God and walk with God until you put that yoke on at His speed, and whatever He wants you to go through, whatever He wants you to do. <laughs> you can't even learn of Him until you get in that yoke. Where you as the younger ox submit to the greater ox. That's got you right where He wants you at the speed He wants you to go. My God. You can go to the next slide. That brings me to my next point about the ways of God. Talked about how God does not want us to have the carnal mind. That's a way of flesh. It's the way of man. Got to be submitted to him. His word, his spirit. Talked about how it's so important for us to be pure, clean hands and a pure heart. That's his ways. That's what attracts God. Talked about how we've got to be broken before him. Crushed his grapes is the way that leads to life. That's his way. It's part of his way. Talked about the threefold cord of discipleship, how we've got to know how to deny ourselves, take up a cross and follow him. It's his way. But I want to talk to you about the way, the threefold cord of God's voice. Threefold cord of God's voice. I said and I mentioned earlier, how some of you have been frustrated with hearing his voice, knowing his voice. I believe this is going to help you. When you first come into the church, the first thing you typically will hear is the voice of the pastor or preacher. And the Bible says, how will they hear without a preacher? We've got to have men of God in our lives. We've got to have a preacher. We've got to have a pastor. And typically, now I know sometimes this gets mixed around, but I'm talking about typically. That's the first voice we start listening to is the man. The second thing is the word of God. Everything flows from God's logos or written word. He even said in his word, he's exalted his word above his name. Some of you don't believe me. It's in the book of Psalms. I promise. He said he exalted his word above his name. God reveals himself to man through logos. logos is God's written blueprint. It's the, it's the written Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You can't separate God from His Word. That's the Logos given to us. The Logos in written form, and then we got Jesus Christ, Logos in flesh. Amen? That which is hidden becomes known or manifested through the Scripture. God is the Word. So, God speaks to us through His Word. That's if I'm reading and I get a revelation, I'm reading and something jumps off the page, or I'm reading and then all of a sudden something that I was struggling with, I now start to see the answer to. That is the Word of God. And then you see the Spirit. That is God's spirit in our lives. It's also known as rhema. Rhema is God's logos, his written word, the Bible, activated in this moment. For instance, I'm reading about the pure in heart shall see God. And all of a sudden it pops off and I get a revelation that I need a pure heart to receive revelation. His word, his logos just became rhema, became living. It became alive in that moment. It became in that moment, God's logos was quickened, and boom, became God's living spoken voice to me in that moment. That's rhema, God's living, active voice that takes the scripture and applies it to that moment, that situation or that circumstance. It could be a thought, an impression, a vision, dream. Still small voice. God's manifested presence and active voice in our lives. John 6, 63 talks about how the flesh profiteth nothing. The flesh does not profit, but the spirit. It quickens. It makes alive. It brings life. So when I'm reading the word of God with my understanding or my intellect, I'm profiting nothing. But when I read with my spirit open to receive revelation, life, life, life. Did you catch that? Going back to the carnal mind, the flesh profiteth nothing. This pattern can actually be seen in the Old Testament all the way to the New Testament. The very first thing we see when people start interacting with God is God raises up men. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. You do not see any written word until Moses. Then you see Moses come around where he's still the leader for a time, and then God gives him the law of the covenant, the word. But then we see in the New Testament, the spirit. <laughs> see that principle? A lot of times it's how people interact with God for the first time. They interact with a man or a woman. Someone preaches the gospel to them, and all of a sudden, <gasps> wow, wow. I need that. Like your experience, that's true. And then all of a sudden, once they see that, that person starts showing them word. And then all of a sudden they get filled with the spirit, pastor, word, spirit. You see how that operates. But I got something to tell you. We need to, first off to be submitted to all three. If you don't have a pastor, you're uncovered. You're in trouble. If you don't have the word, you're going to go off in the deep end of some weird, weird stuff. You're going you're to be out there believing some goofy things. The word of God, his way, watch. Just like a highway has barriers, none of you would ever drive over the Bay Bridge without those things on the side. Don't even lie to me. Half of you don't even drive over there with them. (laughs) I know a few people, I'm not going to say who, but there's some people I know may or may not be in this room where they won't even touch that bridge. You could put, you could make that thing a tunnel and they still wouldn't touch it. I'm talking about a tunnel in the air, not in the water, fully enclosed, or it's impossible unless the thing just collapsed. They still wouldn't do it. That's God's word. It's the boundaries from Genesis to Revelation. That's the boundary. And we're on the inside of that. and We're safe when we submit to that. Then we also got to be submitted to God's spirit. Now, hear me. This is where the people of God lack the most. Most of us come and we come to church. So we're listening to the preacher. We're listening to the pastor. We're listening, listening, listening. We got... Elders in our life. we got people in our life that are men or women of God. Most of us, it's, at, it's our pastor who preaches on Sundays. And then there's a good amount of us that get into the Word on a regular basis or a decent, you know, decent amount of time in our life. We'll read the Word, study the Word, listen to the Word. But there's few of us that really listen and submit to the Spirit of God. And this is what happens. The Pharisees stopped at the Word they were willing to listen to a man, Moses. They were, listening to get in, they were willing to get in the Word. But as soon as Jesus showed up with the Spirit, they went, because their hearts weren't pure. You see, the danger is when we don't have all three operating in our life, you can start to fellowship with the fair Spirit. Because when you only when you get into the word, any person I ever know that is very strong word based and does not have the spirit work in their life is very critical. Because the the word was made to show us how bad our flesh was. The Old Testament, the whole point of the scripture, the whole entire point of the Old Testament was to show us how bad we were <laughs> to show us we needed Jesus. It's what it was about. You know, it was like, yeah, you know, it's what it said. He's like, you guys, I literally am telling you this is the consequence and you literally can't control yourself. Look at your flesh out of control. But then you get to the New Testament and his spirit shows us how great he is. So here's the revelation. When you're only caught up in this and you don't transition to this and this together. You're going to only see how bad people are. You're going to just see how wicked flesh is. Oh, I'm telling you. You're only going to see. You're not going to see through the lens of God's grace and empowerment. You're only going to see through the eyes of judgment. And no, that's not okay. That's not biblical. Jesus was the harshest with the Pharisees. That's who he was like, look. You are full of dead man's bones. You're full of snakes, venom. He talked to them unlike he talked to anybody else because they knew better, but they were more interested, their motives were wrong. They're more interested in money, comfort, position. And that's what happens to us too. We get comfortable. So we're not really concerned. We're saved. So we're not as concerned about, well, is the Spirit quickening in my life today? Is the Spirit leading me today? Is the Spirit speaking to me and giving me visions and dreams? It's very important for us to make the Spirit a major part of our focus in our life, or we'll become critical, we'll become judgmental, we'll become cynical. And you want to know why some people might come in here that are brand new and they they walk out and they're like, those people are just... No, we're pretty good. We do a pretty good job with guests and stuff, for sure. But that right there could kill fruit. Not just in here, but in your own life. If people pick up that you're critical, that you're judgmental, that you act more superior, because that's what the Word does without the Spirit. Thank you, Lon. It's all right. I can always count on you. We are supposed to graduate. We're supposed to graduate to a place where we're led of the Spirit. The Bible says you're not even a son of God if you're not led of the Spirit. They who are the sons of God are led of the Spirit. And the way that it, the way that it contrasts a son is with a servant. A servant only knows the law. The servant doesn't really know what it's like to be operating at the place with the Father where there is revelation, where stuff's happening, where there's supernatural working of God's Spirit. We've got to get to a place where we focus, and how do we do it? I talked about it. Purify our hearts, clean our hands. Submit our flesh and our intellect to God. I talked about all this. We've got to be listening for His voice, willing to endure our cross, And make these three things your absolute focus: of who's in your life, your pastor, and the leaders that God's put in your life. The Word of God and the Spirit of God. That's when you have a balance because your pastor covers you, the Word of God makes you in the right, in the lanes, in the right place. You're going the right direction, and the Spirit empowers you somewhere. You see that? That's the balance. You've got protection. You're going in the right direction and the Spirit's taking you somewhere. Covering, right place, right lane, right way, the Word. And then the engine's the Spirit. That's why some of us are stuck. Because we've got no engine of the Spirit in our life. Amen. Oh, praise God. You can go to the next slide. The Lord started dealing with me about this and this really spoke to me. I hope this helps you. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Hear me out. Any of you get frustrated because you just feel like you're not hearing from God much? You don't have to raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. (laughs) I'm not trying to pull a bishop. Get your hand up and then bam. No. You ever be like, man, I wish God talked to me more. Be honest with yourself. Man, I pray and I'm listening, I'm not hearing anything. I want you to look at this chart here, and I don't know if you can see it, it's a little dim. But on the right side, you have a bar that's through the roof and it says, what does God talk to us about? On the right, it says the amount God speaks to us about his word and his kingdom through the roof. That's what God loves to talk to us about. But then you go to the small bar. That's the amount that God speaks to us about our needs. (laughs) It's true. It's true. I know from experience, because I'll be asking God all these questions and He's just like, <laughs> talked about His kingdom. He's like, M-m-m-m-m-m-m-m. because that's what He's about. If you're going to walk in His ways, you got to know how He works. I got so frustrated one day because I was just like, God, I want revelation. I, wanna, I, I, want, I, want, your, I want to see more in Your Word. I, I, I want more of You, God. He spoke to me very nicely, just a still, small voice. Basically said, if you'd open the book and read it, I'd give you some revelation. And I'm like, man, that's an idea. (laughs) Because I I would, he was basically saying, you put the time in, you're going to hear from me. You sit around talking, acting like you want it, but you don't open the book and read it and study it. I can't talk to you much. You see, the thing is that God's Word, the Bible, is His self-revelation to us. If you're going to follow somebody, you're going to walk with somebody, you're going to communicate with somebody, you better know what they like. You better know how they talk. You better know where they go, how they work, how they operate. Some of you got the closest friends in the world, and you know why you're the closest friends. You spend time with them. You learn what they like. You've done all these great things, these hobbies with them. But then it comes to God. You're like, where is He? Why doesn't He talk? What's going on? Look at your best friend and then start giving the same type of stuff to Jesus, and you'll start hearing him a whole lot more. But this is how. His God, this is the revelation I want to give you. God speaks to us the most through his word. If you want to hear God talk, you get in the word, and I'm telling you, he'll talk. Especially if you got a pure heart and clean hands. You washed off before you started reading. I'm telling you, God will start speaking. The second most he talks is about his kingdom. About souls. About ministry. About what he wants to do through you and your job. If you're not talking to him about the word and you're not talking about the kingdom, he's not talking to you hardly at all. I can guarantee that. The least He talks to us is about our needs. The least He talks to us is about our needs. But guess what? That's the most we pray about. We pray about our needs the most. We pray about His kingdom probably second most, if that. And then we get to the Word probably last. We have flipped on God and we wonder why He's not talking. He's trying to, but you got to find His ways and the way He works. Seek the kingdom first. When you seek the kingdom first and His righteousness, when you seek the Word, His righteousness, being right with God, you're in right standing with Him and His kingdom, He'll, he'll talk to you all day and He'll take care of your needs. <laughs> it was in the book of Haggai chapter 2 where God was not very happy with the Israelites. He's like, you gone and made your house perfect. Put in those nice marble floors. You got the roof that's looking all nice. But my house, the roof is sagging. And in my house, it's it's literally gone to ruin. And he said, because of that, I'm blowing on your vineyards. Because of that, I'm knocking your houses down. Whoa, 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 what? Exactly. He said, because you put my kingdom last, I'm putting your needs last. But when you put the kingdom first, he takes care of your needs. But we don't, we, and I understand, not all of us, but I'm, I'm trying to help the body here. The body, the body, the body. The shoe fits, just please put it on and God will help you. Praise God. I'm telling you, you just started dealing with me about this recently. It was so helpful. If You want to hear God and he is being silent in your life. Go through those things we talked about. And you'll start to hear the voice of God, and He'll start leading you, guiding you, and you're going to be like, man, this is awesome. How does God speak to us? Mostly through His Word. Secondly, about His Kingdom, and very closely tied together, because His Word is a lot about His Kingdom. (laughs) But He talks to us about us, and how we can be more like Him, formed in His image. That's what His Word's about. Making us like Jesus. And lastly, He talks to us the least about our needs, because... He said, don't I clothe the lilies in the field? Don't I feed them? You're all worried about this and that. He's like, I got it covered. I'm God. Focus on my kingdom. Focus on the word and I'll take care of your needs. Let's start working on not being so consumed with our needs because it will affect your ability to hear from God and walk with God. You can go to the next slide. Start coming to a close here. Amen. Faith works by love. So we've talked a lot about all the things dealing with us in His ways. But for this last slide and this last little bit, I'm going to talk about how we have His ways operating in us to help other people. Faith works by love. For in Jesus Christ, Galatians 5, 6, in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. It's telling us that faith operates by agape love. It's so important to understand that that means we have to receive love first if we're going to be an effective conduit for love to flow out of us because the same channel, your heart, the same channel that love flows to is the same channel that love flows through. So, what hinders that? Your wounds your wounds will hinder the love of God from working your life, which will in effect hinder your faith. If you're struggling with your faith, you need to check the gauge of your agape love that you're receiving from God. And if you got bitterness, if you got anger, if you're offended, then God's love's not flowing very well to the Because what it is is this, God's love's trying to flow to you, but because you've buried it, you've covered it, you've hidden it, His love can't get there because you're protecting it. Just like if you had a wound and you started covering up, no, 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 don't. You can't get that antibiotic cream in there and it's going to get worse because that ointment can't get to the wound. God's love cannot get to your wound if you don't let Him. He will never force Himself on you and force you to get healed. And His ways... Much of it has to do with receiving his love. And if you can't receive his love, then his love's not flowing through you, which in turn, what it does is you operate in ministry a lot through your personality. You will operate in your flesh and in your personality and you'll have very limited fruit because God's love is what works and operates true faith. I know that from experience. God did some stuff early on in my ministry, but I didn't realize how much I was operating out of my personality. Part of it was a lack of wisdom and other part of it was I had some wounds that I didn't necessarily know about. Once God started healing me, I started seeing, whoa, the love flowing through, is to- it's, it's there, there's something different. It's because you've got one channel and if wounds are in the way, it's going to hinder that channel. goes back to washing and purifying. If I'm not letting my wounds get healed, then love will not flow at the level that it needs to. Think about your channel with all these hidden compartments and all this stuff. Your channel becomes a lot smaller. becomes constricted. Well, that's the only amount of love that can get through because if the wounds were healed, it'd open up a whole lot more space for God's love to flow through. We've got to let the Lord heal us Now, hear me, wounds, you're going to have them to the day you die. But hear me, in God's timing, he heals things in his timing of when it needs to be healed. But wounds are like onions. There's layers. Your job is not to try to get the whole onion out of there. It doesn't work like that. Your job is to let the Lord move to the one spot that he's trying to work on to the few spots and let him heal to whatever degree he's trying to. And then there'll be another layer that comes up and it needs to get healed. But when that layer comes up and you cover it, it's blocking your channel and love's not flowing through and you lack faith. I know we talked about a lot, but I'm trying to help you. I know we talked about a lot. And I know some of you probably are about to explode because it's been a long day at work. I understand. But you got to catch this with your spirit. Because if we are going to go to the dimension and place that God has called us to, We've got to learn and know his ways. Make the word your priority. You'll hear him a lot. Make the kingdom your priority. You'll hear him a lot. (laughs) She's not in here, so I can't get in trouble. Uh, My wife would say to me sometimes, she'll say sometimes like, "Um, does God ever talk to you about our life more? And i will be like, not really. And I got this revelation. I'm like, hey, love, let me tell you something. I got proof that this is book. Because we want God to speak more about things. And the thing is, He will. He will in His timing. But God is not going to just sit there and talk to you all day about your life. Because what He's more concerned about is the lost souls' lives that need to be saved. Yeah. Yeah. And you becoming more like him, more in his image. And when you become more in his image, you become more effective in ministry and more souls are saved and the kingdom expands. And when the kingdom expands, more people get saved and he takes care of your needs while you're taking care of his. Because if you take care of God's business, he'll always take care of yours. And that is something we've got to receive In this time. I'm going to say this last thing as I come to a close, because I've already gone long enough. This is the last thing I'm going to say. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, for there is a time and a season for every purpose under heaven. Can you put that up, John? John, uh, Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1. I'm I'm closing here. I'm almost done. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1. This is what it says. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. Next verse. Now it goes through the whole list of stuff. There's a time to be born. There's a time to do this, a time to do this, a time to do this. Go to uh, verse 11. Then it says this. He hath made everything beautiful in His time. He hath made everything beautiful. Beautiful in the Hebrews talking about perfect, complete. He's made everything complete, perfect in His time. So, go back to verse 1. If the Bible says, thank you, John, verse 1. If the Bible says to everything there is a season and to every purpose under the heaven, that means every single wound, every single situation, every single circumstance, every single victory, every single loss, every single, vi- every single battle, there is a time And a season for everything. And everything has a purpose. Hear me. When you don't submit to the season you're in. You have just lost the purpose of what has prepared you for the next season. When you don't submit to this purpose right now, this season. It's got the purpose inside of it to make you prepared for the next season. And when you don't submit, you become like the children of Israel that just walk in circles. And you wonder why you're in the same season over and over again. Because you didn't submit in this season. And you can't get to the next season until you pass this season. But once you pass this season, you receive a purpose. And it all becomes complete and perfect in his timing. You got to hear me. This is my point here. When it comes to his ways. His ways is all about His timing. He conceals, He holds back revelation through timing. He holds back things from you because He knows you're not ready for it. He knows if He gives it to you in this season, it will destroy you. But if you could prepare in this season and submit in this season, it will make you ready for the next season. But that is one of our greatest struggles. We don't submit to God in our current season. We get frustrated We get irritated. We start talking all about the next season, what I want to do. Here's the revelation. Here's the ironic factor of all this. Ironically, by me focusing on tomorrow while I'm in today, I'm hindering tomorrow. By me focusing on the next season of what I want to happen, Joseph, by by focusing on the next season too quickly, I'm missing out in what God's trying to prepare in me right now. If we could get our eyes off of the future and just focus, there's a time to be born. There's a time to die. There's a time to live. There's a time to to pluck. There's a time to break down. There's a time to break. You want to know how you walk in wisdom? This is how you walk in wisdom. The way you walk in wisdom is you submit to every single season that God has you in. And if you submit to it, you're going to receive the purpose for that season, the revelation, the understanding. And that's going to prepare you for the next season where now it becomes complete and beautiful, and that thing becomes beautiful in its time. That's how you walk in wisdom. You submit to every season God has put you in. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow Him. If you're going to let all of Jesus has for you its perfect work, then you need the denial, you need the cross, and you need to follow Him. It's worth it. It brings life to you. Into many, many souls. I've already told you God's gonna use you to save a lot of people. I've told you that. You already brought another person last Sunday. That is not even scratching the surface of all the souls that God's gonna use you to bring into the kingdom. You submit to the season God has you in and reach for those people in the current season, God's gonna blow the top off. He will. Can we lift our hands? Can we lift our hands and just receive the Word? My God, Lord, You see where every single one of us are. You see how we've struggled on the way of God, Your ways, God. You see where we've hit some speed bumps. You see where we've hit some potholes, God. And I pray in the name of Jesus that we take our tires back to the shop, we take our vehicle of our soul back to the shop and that we would work on a few things and put it on the lift and let you start looking at the oil, look at the engine, look at the exhaust pipe, look at the tires, look at the alignment. God, look at what's going on in our soul. And if there's anything in us, God, that is holding us back from what you've got for us, God, I pray by the authority of the Word of God in the name of Jesus that you'd reveal Reveal the missing places. Reveal the signals. Reveal the engine lights. Reveal the lights that are going on in us, God. Are we consumed with your word and with hearing the pastor's voice, but we don't have a walk with your spirit? Help us, God, to listen to the voice of God. Help us to hear the spirit. Help us to walk in your kingdom in authority and power. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray that you would seal this word. In the name of Jesus Christ, Seal it in every heart tonight in the name of Jesus Christ. Seal this word in Jesus' name. Have your way. Seal the word, God. Help us to find those places where we have not submitted, those places where we have neglected, the, the seasons and the times that we have been walking around and around and around in circles because we have not submitted to the timing that You have for us, God. Help us. Reveal it to us, God. Show it to us, God. You're a good God, a just God. Help us to purify our hearts, clean our hands, to walk in the affliction and things that we go through. The cross is, God, that You hand us to receive. In Jesus' name, let Your will be done, God. Let Your perfect will be done. In Jesus' name.